In the episode Cogenitor, we have a character who commits suicide after discovering that they want to self-fulfill and learn more and self-actuate. If you are affected by that issue, if you feel that you are suicidal in any way, of course the Temple Trek podcast wants you to not make that decision. As a result, uh, what I've done here is find out some useful numbers, people to talk to, and never feel that you are alone. In the UK, you can contact the Samaritans on 116123. You can also text SHOUT to 85258 or visit the official website of the Samaritans. The NHS website has several numbers for different reasons and I do implore you to go to www.nhs.co.uk There's the Campaign Against Living Miserably, CALM, 0800 58 58 58. There's Papyrus for people under the age of 35, 0800 068 41 41. The child line for people under the age of 19 is 0800 1111. SOS Silence of Suicide, which is for any age group, is 0300 1020505. For young minds, also text YM to 85258. I'm also aware that this podcast does beam out to the US, and we have quite a few US listeners out there, and that's the next biggest chunk as well of our listenership. So if you are affected by this issue as well, you have the 988 Lifeline, Crisis Lifeline. Go to 988lifeline.org. There are also several advice hotlines. For the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, it is 1-800-273-8255 or 1-800-273-TALK. In Spanish, you can have this on 1-888-628-9454. The Crisis Text Line is text HOME to 741741. The Friendship Line is 800 971 0016. For the LGBT National Hotline is 888-843-4564. For the National Parent Helpline is 855-427-2736. For all other advice lines, do check out the DBSA, the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. The Temple Trek strongly urges you to talk to someone before making any decisions. And thank you very much for listening. And on with the show. Space-time. The ever-expanding frontier. These are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission, to locate every second, contemplate every eon, from outside time to the Big Bang, to the 20th century, all the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast.
Hello and welcome to the Temple Trek podcast. Uh, this week it is a solo show, so uh, it's just myself. There's no Dan Dan, unfortunately, so unfortunately the jingle's not going to be coming. Uh, I know that's the bit everybody loves, uh, but um, it's just going to be myself today. As we always do with uh, single solo shows, um, we are going to be doing a watch-through uh, episode. So I'm going to hit play, I'll tell you when that happens. And uh, then we'll follow along and do it together. But uh, yeah, sadly today, uh, other Dan will not be joining us. Um, he's sadly been called away to work because he has proper job and proper responsibilities. Unlike me, uh, stuck in here in this little office um, uh, with my treble and my pad. So um, what we're going to do is this is season three, episode 48 of the podcast. So we're in season three and 48 episodes into that season, which is the 22nd century, of course. Season 2, episode 22 of Enterprise. So we're getting very close to getting out of season 2 and on our way to season 3. Uh, this is Cogenitor. Now, uh, this I think is probably a very controversial episode, I suppose, given that today uh, there is gender identity and everything surrounding that. Um, there are those who obviously are vehemently opposed to ha people having uh, self-determination and their own um, gender identity decided for themselves and uh, insist on only two genders. And that could be a reading of this episode. <laughs> Um, at the time, uh, you know, that kind of conversation, I don't seem to remember being a thing, being a, uh, a big part in the sort of public consciousness. Uh, obviously it still existed and people were, um, able to identify as whatever they wanted to, but it just didn't seem to play out in the wider culture. Um, and the reading from this episode, when I first watched it, when I'm, I'm again, I'm acting on hazy memory. I always felt that this episode was trying to go more on a slavery route uh, and trying to talk about people as property uh, and wasn't as uh, fixated on the idea of gender identity and um, you know, identity politics. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I am probably going to make mistakes and I apologize in advance if I misgender someone, if I am not understanding the issue and I'm more than welcome people coming back to me and saying, look, you got this wrong. Uh, you know, here's a way of educating yourself. You know, let me know. I am more than willing to accept that I am going to make mistakes because I often do. Um, so in Cogenitor, obviously we're going to be talking about some, uh, very, uh, deep subjects, very controversial subjects, perhaps some um, personal subjects, things that may affect you personally. Um, know that if I'm making light, I'm normally just taking the mickey out of Malcolm Reed, and I am not making light of those subjects. Uh, so um, we are going to be watching Cogenitor. Now, as we're watching Cogenitor, and as we mentioned in Horizon, there is two ways of watching that in the UK. You can watch on Netflix or you could watch on Paramount+. Plus. Now, Paramount+, Plus, uh, they, uh, well, they don't have a skip intro, uh, which I do like to use. And uh, they also break the act when it's the uh, the ad breaks. Uh, which kind of, I don't know, breaks the episode, changes your enjoyment of it. You're, you're much more aware that you're watching the TV show. You don't get as drawn into it. It's much more of a break there. Uh, so I'm going to be watching on the Netflix edition. As far as I know, that doesn't make any change in our timestamps and the way you watch this episode. Uh, but if it does, uh, just to let you know, I'll be working on the Netflix timing. So we're going to be starting at zero minutes and zero seconds. 
As with every episode, we have our LCARS rating system. L-C-A-E-R-R-S-S. Um, it's not LCARS as in the 24th century computer operating system that we're all familiar with. It's a slightly different Temple Trek way of rating our episodes. It's not out of 1 to 5 or 1 to 10, uh, good or bad. It is purely looking at it as a historical document and try and drill down into why it might be an important historical document or not be an important historical document as well. But first is locate the point in time. Now, as far as I remember, there is no point where we we specifically learn a date, uh, so we do not get our timestamps, unfortunately. Just trying to remember, we're working in a time frame here. You're just not thinking fourth dimensionally. Right, right, I have a real problem with that. It's a uh, uh, timey-wimey thing. Timey what? Timey-wimey? I've, I've no idea where he picks that stuff up. But despite not thinking fourth dimensionally and uh, trying to help me out here on the Temporal Trek podcast, we will carry on. We are somewhere in 2153, somewhere after January. And I know for a fact, given next week's episode, we are somewhere before March 2153. So if you're ready, we are going to be lining up our episodes at zero minutes, zero seconds on Cogenitor on the Netflix edition and three, two, one... Press play. I really love this opening setup. Um, it's a scientific endeavor. We're studying the star. Um, this star is going to go supernova. It's a pretty uh, interesting idea, an interesting explosion. There you go. Can't forget Vulcan longevity, Captain. 100 years from now? How old would that make you? Normally, I would hold uh, Trip accountable for that one and think that was workplace bullying, but I think T'Pol seems to realise now that it is a little bit more of a joke. Uh, but uh, he does seem to be obsessed with her age, I'm not going to lie. So, yeah, the Enterprise can't get any closer. I do like that, obviously, we are stressing that the technology isn't quite up to the standards that uh, 24th century might be up to. Someone else has. You found a ship? The Visions. Um... It was a nice breath of fresh air. I even remember way back when uh, having a set of species that are pretty much on the same mission as Starfleet. They're for exploration, wanting to meet other people. They aren't bad guys. They aren't put across as um, you know, the space Nazis, which we've had time and time again so far in Season 2. This is Captain Archer of the Starship Enterprise. I assume you've detected us. Captain Drennick, where have you travelled from? Andreas Katsoulis. Um So I am on the uh, Epsilon 3 podcast with Paul and Sean over on the ESO network. Uh, I welcome that voice anytime we get it in our episodes as Citizen Jakar now, as we are uh, coming into our season three watch through. Um, yeah, Andreas Katsoulis. I mean, you can't fault the man. The, the, the voice, the acting, you can clearly see this theatrical training in him. It's so lovely to hear him being nice as well. You know, Jakar is such a uh, an aggressive, um, rebellious, and uh, devious character, and you know, having him be, be this calm Drenik, uh, it just it's just really nice for him to see him do something different. And of course, in Star Trek, he has played villains before as well. So having that difference makes a big thing. Tell Chef we're going to have some visitors. Now, he's asking them to 
tell Chef that we're going to have some visitors, but, I mean, they haven't exchanged any food profiles. They don't know what's, you know... Allergic for the Vizians, you know, you know, are they going to have some weird reaction to eating a tomato? Uh, the only reason I say that is that I'm currently trying to get my uh, youngest son uh, signed off for his tomato allergy, and it's just made me very aware that, uh, hang on a minute, the Vizians didn't send over anything. They didn't send over any kind of profiles or anything like that. Yes, I am leaving the intro credits running um, because obviously I'm talking, uh, but uh, yeah. It is strange. Like, I don't like these credits. I never have liked these credits, and I probably never will. But there is this weird nostalgic feeling now. Uh, I'm recording literally the day after the 21st birthday of Enterprise airing uh, in twen- in 2001. Wow, jeez. Um, so it's the nostalgia is kicking in, and I I don't know. Like, it, am I going to reach a point where I'm going to like this intro credits? The OV-165, as we saw in Picard Season 2, way back in Season 2, for uh, the podcast as well. It's nice that they managed to keep that going and that Picard sort of called back to these credits. Okay, we're out the credits, here we go. And they've docked, and the ship is just massive. I like the conical design as well. It's sort of like a an egg shape. Uh, but they've got a warp core in the centre of the ship. I mean, isn't that dangerous? Aren't they going to like kill most of the crew or fry most of their crew if it's inside the ship? It's very strange. I know there's Klingon ships that do the same thing. You know, you've got your birds of prey and all this sort of thing, and you've got the engine inside the ship. That's very strange. I really do like it. I know that having a set of explorers who are pretty much the same as Starfleet, but alien version, probably doesn't leave too much tension, probably doesn't give you, you know, the shooty-shooty-poo-poos and the action that would draw in perhaps new audience members. They think it'd probably be quite bland. Uh, probably just as bland as these uniforms, which I have to admit look pretty comfortable. I would, wouldn't mind a sort of set pyjamas just like these. A human tradition? Exactly. Of course, Trip is showing them to eat cherries. Oh, Malcolm. He's licking his lips. Aren't you going to introduce me? Oh, God. Not quite a read, Trip. Uh, you know, we've established that, you know, if, if there's women and Trip's talking to them, Reed has to come in as this wannabe wingman. But he's licking his lips. There we go. And he's going to teach him about these Knickerbocker glories. Actually, what do the US call these? I mean, they weren't milkshakes, but we call them Knickerbocker Glory over here. But, yeah, let me know. So, this is the beginning of the episode. So, Trip is now going to meet the cogenitor. They are meeting a male, a female, and a third gender within this species. The establishment of the, the third gender. LeVar Burton, director, just flashed up on there as well. Uh, I do love the direction. The lighting coming through the mess deck, the, the way it's done. I think this episode actually plays out quite well in terms of its look and the way it's carried out. Um, it's jokes, neither are humans. That I do know. Vagellians <laughs> have four and five. There we go. Establishing some more canon for the old universe. Exactly what I'm saying. And she... It is part of the impregnation process. It. Now, the use of it. 
Now, at the time, in 2001, using they, them pronouns probably just wasn't on their forethought. It wasn't in their consciousness. Using it, but the species has told him that it is how you you refer to the cogenitor. So do we use that? Or is it implying that actually they see the cogenitor as so, so inferior and so lesser and perhaps more slavish? You know, is this an indication of something further? That actually the writers would have used they or them, but they specifically chose to use it. How much faith are we going to put into the writers here? Because it was about speciesism and racism and, and so forth. So did they specifically use it to try and force the conversation as more slavery-based than identity politic-based? I do like... <laughs> I do like the idea that they are super studies, that they can actually pick up on everything. This calls back for me, uh, back to Ceasefire, a little bit earlier this season, where Archer just would not read all of the papers that Topol uh, was based. I bet he absolutely wishes he was a Vizian so he could read all those documents. But the fact that they are quoting Shakespeare the next day, that's pretty impressive. It also makes sense why the species has advanced so quickly. He has friends who would be equally impressed with Macbeth. I would. I loved Macbeth. That's how I got into Shakespeare. That was actually the first uh, play that I ever performed at school. Uh, we had to do little scenes based on that and pick the character we prefer. Now, Trip has had to get an inoculation to get into their engine room. So, coming back to this idea that the engine is inside the ship, they know it's dangerous. So, like, why? <laughs> why are they using this if they know it's dangerous? It's very strange. Trip is obsessed with this to the point where it's really. It gets to the point where it becomes uncomfortable and now it almost feels like the conversation wants to steer away from the slavery element into the gender identity. He is so obsessed with the sexual reprodu reproduction and the function of the cogenitor. It just feels... It feels like the character of Trip is pushing it in one direction and the writers actually want to tell a different story. And I think, for me, this is why this episode is difficult to know how I feel about it because these are issues that don't affect me. I am, you know, a white, middle-aged man of a certain age who has always identified as a male. I have not ever had that thought of thinking of myself in a different gender. Um, so those issues, that awareness of myself has never been a problem and you know, that's, it's something I can't identify, it's something I don't know about, so I can't talk with any kind of authority about it at all. Aha, here's a problem. 200. Uh, now, this was even factually incorrect back in 2001. Oh, yes, I am getting pedantic again. And in fact, there was 94 discovered elements at the time that this show was being made, not 91. Uh, there are now, with synthetic elements, 118 to uh, scientific knowledge as of 2017. There you go. Archer is going to go on a three-day trip in a pod with an unfamiliar alien, and I did not see a toilet. Just pointing that out. It does make me think of the submarine. Uh, as a tour guide, I do tours on the HMS Ocelot here at Chatham, at Chatham Dockyard. 
And uh, yeah, they had toilets. They had three. Uh, they had three heads shared between 69 crew. This pod has nothing and he's on there for three days. No showers, no bathing. To pull, to pull her put downs are so good in this episode. Just, you know, am I in charge of the ship or the movies? I like her sarcasm. I think to pull sarcasm ha- has developed so well over the past two seasons. So here we are in engineering. Suppose asking him to move the the movies. Comes back to it. What movies would you show the Visians? You know, they're into their Shakespeare, so you could presumably put in any kind of adaptations of those. You know, Romeo and Juliet, you know, Richard the Thirds, anything you can think of. But what movies other than Shakespeare or other than things based on uh, texts? What would you put in there? This is what I like. It moves the conversation back. Trip does point out she doesn't have a name, he says. Now, he uses she. He's been told it is the proper pronoun. He says she because she looks more feminine to him. And, yeah, obviously now today that's a big problem because it's not up to him to determine that. But the way he uses it, it then sort of permeates throughout the whole crew. And he is controlling that gender identification. And I feel like that is wrong. Now, again, get back to me. Let me know if I'm wrong. But that just feels wrong. I feel like at some point, Phlox or the other Visions should have made, you know, pulled him up on it. Should have said, you know, actually the pronoun is it. Or, you know, we refer to it as it by saying her. It's, you know, offensive to the female gender of our species. Something like that. This worries me. Trip is going to forcibly brain scan another species without their consent. Consent has been something that's popped up in other episodes as well. But taking a neural scan of someone without their knowledge, it, that just feels icky to me. That is just one step too far. That's not just curiosity, as Trip says. And I think on that point, I'm pulling this up as a triptrid. It's time you learn to weigh the possible repercussions of your actions. You've always been impulsive. We took a ride in a rowboat. And show you to the nearest airlock. Maybe this will teach you a Sexy cheese. Yes, everybody, we're here for sexy cheese time. Oh, yes, Stilton. Stilton is sexy, apparently. Uh, this is sexy Trek, isn't it? This is them attempting to get some sort of sensuality out of cheese. Yeah. I mean, it's... It, they already have something in common. That's what I don't get. They are both the armory officers, and later there will be a scene where they're in the armory. That would make sense to me, that they are comparing their torpedoes, to use a euphemism. Um, why? Why the cheese? She feeds him the cheese. Well, I'd say that's more than a little spicy. And it's just... Ooh, uh... I, I don't know if it would be as cringe if it was any other character. You know, if this was Hoshi with someone else on the ship. Perhaps a Vizian who is also a translator and knows a lot more about languages. I mean, we had that scene on Riser where they were talking about fruit. That did not give me the icky vibe. This gives me the icky vibe. And I don't know why. Is it just Reed? 
She strokes his lips. I mean, what is this? I'm anxious to see your tactical array. There's an old Earth expression. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Ugh. I think that's a retread. That's got to be a retread line. I'm sure Dan would agree with me on that one. There's one thing about me. There's no You're a very brave man, Malcolm. Never much cared for the name Malcolm. I was rather growing fond of the name Stinky. You've had too much to drink. How about 30 years in the break? Or maybe a good flogging? <sighs> See, you were looking at my hands. You should have been looking at my eyes. They admire my folks and they keep away the dogs with military wig a wagger in my hand. <laughs> Awfully nice. Her father. That's hard to imagine. The men who developed warp drive on my world lived nearly a thousand years ago. Okay, so they've had warp drive for over a thousand years, and they haven't developed one that isn't harmful to biological entities, the Omicron at radiation. That seems unusual. And. They are very thorough explorers if they've only travelled 25 light years with a thousand years of warp travel. I don't know, something about that just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, the, the writers had a chance to say any number of years. They could have said 200 years, 300 years, and I think that would have been more believable, but a thousand years warp flight at presumably warp five we'd be very grateful they are willing to share a lot more technology in any other star trek story this would be unwelcome information or, or uh, you know suspicious information i've got a room not half the size of this one is this more shade at tng's expense married couples on on the ship uh we had quite a lot of it in horizon just wondering if we had it again Okay, smelly food, but it's mild to the taste. Okay. Now, going back to the cheese conversation, like if he was a real Brit, wouldn't he have used curry instead? That's you know. Mild yeah. in the, um, the smell. For us, the aroma is far more important than the taste. We're supposed to take you all day. <sighs> if I had all day, I would have prepared a far more scented meal. She prepared, so she's cooking. Microgravity labs. I like that. They haven't quite got to replicate a status yet. So, as advanced as the Visians are, they haven't quite developed that far. Bringing the cogenitor to your ship was an exception. Why was it an exception? That confuses me. So, they're trying to have a baby. The congenitor is purely, in their eyes, used to conceive babies. What was the point in bringing it? It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. And I'll see if it's awake. They they refer to it like a pet. They refer to it almost like a plant, even less than a pet. The synaptic density and neural mass are almost identical to the other two. Your cogenitor appears to be no more or less intelligent than the male and female. I feel like this, the morality of this element, is overlapping with uh, what we saw with the Menk as well. Like the Menk was seen to be biologically just as capable as the other species on their planet. I feel like that is also 
uh, an attempt by the rioters to push it more into uh, a comment on slavery as opposed to a comment on identity. I like that Archer is a natural pilot and actually he can just he can pick up certain things just as fast as the Visians, maybe not Shakespeare. I really like how um, Captain Drenick, uh, Andreas, is pretending to press buttons and turn dials, even though nothing is moving. Uh, it's, it's such a pure actor's thing, and I really love how he turns the dials. Nothing changes. So by rotating the quantum inverters, you've tripled the antimatter flux. triple the antimatter flux do you have to not also triple the matter flux so that it levels out isn't it the ratio one to one so if they're doing one aren't they going to explode the engines i know that's a really weird thing to pick up in this episode which really isn't about engines but surely to my mind the way what i know about uh, you know of course in my infinite wisdom uh, warp field theory um isn't it one to one so if you triple one thing you have to triple the other um please get back to me <laughs> okay so, here's the point where I feel like Trip crosses the line. He goes around the ship, uninvited, to meet the cogenitor. He wants to teach the cogenitor how to read. They are at a point where he's basically forcing this on them. He's forcing the cogenitor to have to get education. At no point does the cogenitor say, I've always wanted to read. At no point was there a, a conversation from the cogenitor. See, the cogenitor even specifically says it's not right for me. Uh, and, oh yes, okay, fair enough. Historically, culturally, they have been conditioned to feel that way. They are one of a 3%, they are treated in a certain way, but... They have already said that they shouldn't be. To have a name. That may be true on your world, but not on mine. Exactly. It's true on their world. Who's going to raise the baby? Who's going to take care of it? They will. Why? You're just as crucial in creating the child as they are. You don't understand. Okay, maybe. Now, this veers into elements of surrogacy. If you are the surrogate for a baby, you don't have legal rights over that baby. That baby belongs to the people who were the donors of the genetic material that created it. The surrogate signs over the right to then be part of that baby's life. I know that there are quite a lot of surrogates who remain part of the life and become, you know, auntie, whatever. Um, he does seem to be in the writing coming from a point of individual's rights now the cogenitor does take the pad from trip and seems eager has never said it but seems eager to learn so at that point i suppose you could be forgiven thinking the cogenitor has always wanted this he just somehow picked up on that i would have liked more scenes perhaps in the dining hall where it just suddenly cuts away where the cogenitor mentions, uh, you know, I, I tried to read once, uh, I would like to do it again. Um, and perhaps the, the other two genders are confused. They're like, why would you want to do this? 
back on the pod. We're going to go surfing in the waves. And uh, Archer is having the time of his life. And I really do like these pod scenes. These pod scenes make so much sense. These are two guys, the same type of captain, the explorers, and they are enjoying themselves. Uh, yes, he is. Uh, Sleeping Dogs, you saw him on the Klingon display. Sorry, Reed, uh, you are familiar with that. She's a top, isn't she? Like, clearly she is a top and he's a bottom. She's completely in control here. At least in this scene, it's believable that two armory officers would be flirting over their weapons. You know, admittedly, it's sexy trek again. I imagine the writers were like, ooh, let's talk about guns. He checks out a bum. Oh, God. Reed. It's just Reed, isn't it? It really is. Any other character... I don't think it would be a pickup, but just read because of everything we've established with Reed. That's why it's uncomfortable. I was hoping to spend some intimate time with you. She is totally in control. That is quite nice. I quite like to see that. I mean, if it had been him, I think I would have got even more icky feelings of predatory, you know, bloke forcing himself on another woman. But I quite like this. It's very different on this year. Is that true? Or is that just a line? Who knows? Amazing. The text describes far more impressive peaks. I don't mean the mountains, I mean your reading. The fauna and flora very greatly. So good that we found out the Vizians are, uh, you know, quick learners. Uh, makes it much easier for a 45 minute episode, doesn't it? You can study all sorts of things. History, science, engineering's not bad. You don't have to sit in this room all day. They would never let me learn those things. Then you've got to convince them. Never let them learn. It's experiencing things. So are we veering into stigma? Back in Stigma, uh, the people who could feel the, the dirty, dirty telepaths, as we were talking about in that episode, um, they were seen as a minority in the Vulcan culture. And it was seen as oppression. It was seen as, um, you know, they were treating the, the feelers, the people who are capable of mind melding as undesirables in their society. And, uh, it was, uh, an unflattering color on the Vulcans. It feels like this is going the same way. And I think it's more evidence as to why the writers are trying to write an anti-slavery piece here than they are a gender piece here. Then I would like my name to be Charles. Okay. The cogenitor has chosen Charles. Doesn't know that that would typically be a human male-centric name. He still continues to use her. So, if they want to be Charles, 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 why doesn't he change it to he? Got to ride through the wave. 
We're going on a bear hunt. We're going for a big one. We're not scared. Oh no, tall grass. We can't go over it. We can't go under it. We must go through it. Gotta go through it. There you go. Sorry, we, we sing that and read that book all the time here in this house. Three children, we got to know it pretty well. I like that, you know, Archer, he showed him a few tricks. It at least lends credence to the idea that actually they're much more cautious explorers, the Visians, and that humans take a lot more risks. Uh, because that was not the Vizian cap captain's way. He was going to go over it. Um, so uh, that is the difference between the two explorers. And again, it, it's a really nice interchange. There's no shooting. There's no fighting. There's no arguing. Maybe I should take you back. No, no, I want to see more. I want to see more. At least that is the first element where the cogenitor gives consent that they want to do more. Okay? That is their choice. And I do like that we finally get that. It took us ages to get to that point. We're up to 27 minutes at this point, and they finally have the cogenitor saying what they want to do. I want to try. I want to do this. Uh, there seems to be much more of an awareness of self. Is it actually more a comment on education the need that with education you get to know who you are again coming back to the idea that it's LeVar Burton as the director you know that would be something reading Rainbow something that he's been pushing for a long time um, given all of his backstory with Roots and you know the, the African American struggle in America um, I can see why this story might have appealed to him, that this cogenitor is exploring their individual freedom and their self-determination, not their self-identity. Have you ever seen a movie? So, why would the movies... Captain Proton. What would you think about a western? Why would you start with westerns? I love a good western, but no, that's not where you start. I think I would start with a musical. I disagree with on that one. I think uh, Singing in the Rain would be a pretty good idea. It's a story about the planet. Yeah, but it's fiction. The Earth never really stood still. The Earth, the day the Earth stood still. It's a bit of taffy pulling, isn't it? I mean. I know that they're eventually going to use why Klaatu was mistrusted and things like this, but if it was about identity, being true to yourself, um, I don't know, that movie doesn't seem to quite fit with who I am. What do you think it should have been? If this was about identity, if this episode is about identity, what would it have been? If it was more about uh, you know, learning your own self and the value of your gender in the society so again going for the slavery element would there be a uh, a, a movie that would be better placed playing Go I've only ever played Go once and I lost it so <laughs> uh, I would love to learn to play this game properly tell me about westerns maybe I could watch a western next it's getting late better get you back before they realise you're gone 
been told you're no longer welcome aboard the Vizian ship. You finally get some repercussions. Uh, they were getting away with quite a lot there, weren't they? the astrometrics lab. They tried to contact you, but you weren't there. Then they tried their missile. You weren't there either. I was with the cogenitor. Where? I completely understand to Paul's frustration. He not only went behind their backs, he disobeyed the order to be more uh, forthcoming and respectful of their culture. Why were you there? Teaching her how to read. Her education is not your concern. I'm still what using education? her. Where else did you go? I brought her here. Gave her a little tour. Showed her a movie. It appears you're doing everything you can to undermine the captain's wishes. One day. That's all it took her. In one day, she was reading a geography text. First contacts are important to the captain. He is undermining the mission. You're not listening to a word I'm saying. There's a good point, though. If he has identified an inequality in the culture, these people smile, these people are like us. Are we more forgiving of bad behavior, like you know, suppressing a part of your population? They may not be dressed like space Nazis, they may not act like space Nazis, but are they being space Nazis? Don't worry, they will. Give it time. They're angry with you, don't Trip is standing up for an individual's rights in the face of a culture that are very friendly, very forthcoming, very willing to share. The cogenitor asks for it. At least that happens. If I think it had been the other way around and Trip had forced the element and actually smuggled them off the ship, I think there would have been a bigger problem there. Archer Enterprise. Go ahead. That was one hell of a ride. That was three days. Three days. Not a single bit of, uh, you know, unshaven uh, five o'clock shadows or anything like that. I'm wondering if three days near the sun, you know, time dilation and what so, uh, it was only like 24 hours for them, maybe. Where is she? It's not exactly a she, sir. Ah, so now he changes to the pronouns. How long ago did this happen? Last night, after supper. He demanded that she be returned immediately. I did exactly what you do, Captain. It's not like I had much choice. I wasn't going to... Would you excuse us, Sub-Commander? The Cogenitor did ask for this. Again, Trip did not smuggle them off the ship. I might have expected something like this from a first-year recruit. But not you. Oh, I would have totally thought Trip would be this person. I I don't think this would make sense on any other character. If that's true, then I've done a pretty lousy job setting an example around here. That's all he's done. He was on trial for this exact mistake. You're a senior officer on this ship. You're privy to the moral challenges I've had to face. You know I've wrestled with the fine line between doing what I think is right and interfering with other species. So don't he's... tell me you know what I would have done when I don't even know what I would have done. I didn't think he's wrestled. He's... Still, yeah, he wouldn't. Have, he would have given a few books, wouldn't he? Species, not tell them what to do. Teaching her to read is no different than you giving them books or movies. Giving them books is a lot different than suggesting they defy their culture. 
defying culture. Are we supporting culture if culture is repressing the rights of an individual? Not human rights. And that does get brought up in the episode that, you know, they are not human. So therefore, we should not put that on there. Fair enough. However, the male and female of the species are given rights. And biologically, physiologically, they are the same as the cogenitor. They have the same mental capacity. They can identify themselves as I. They have a sense self-identity. It's not our place to tell you what rights you have. Not our place to tell you what rights we have. The last two seasons would disagree with you, Archer, and I'm pretty sure you would have done the same thing. Some men can work together for years without creating the friendship and bond that we did in only two days. I'm certain we can resolve this. Again, I really like that the Visians don't turn evil, that they are not overtly um, a bad species, uh, that actually their friendliness... Their friendliness makes it much more believable. I actually feel like this is how something like, uh, uh, not necessarily interspecies, but just intercultural exchange does happen in real life. People have these kinds of disagreements. It doesn't always end in fisticuffs and, you know, violence and threats and anger. I can't ignore that. We're the ones being treated unfairly. Do you know how long we've Archer is using she in front of them as well. You sound like you're talking about some inanimate object. Property. No right to judge us. This is where the property element. What if one of your stewards... The men who are forced to serve you food. What if they should ask us for asylum? They're not forced to do anything. I apologize. But it's easy to misunderstand someone. You know nothing about their culture. We do know nothing about their culture, and that's true. However... expect me to ignore someone when they ask for my protection. There you go. We're in no rush to leave. Take your time. He's so agreeable, he's so nice, he's so statesman-like. I wish more people were like Drenick. I do like that this episode doesn't resolve with, you know, phaser fights and shooting and trying to get away. I think the Enterprise would be completely outmatched, but there we go. You shouldn't have misgivings. You've made the right choice. They're sitting there listening to classical music in the room. I don't know, it feels unusual. Now, Archer has seceded to the Visions and the, the Cogenitor will have to leave with them. I think it is right. I think it would be unfair for the Cogenitor coming from this point. I know that there is an issue that the couple won't be able to conceive a child. There is a life at stake here. Um, yeah. I hope yesterday's unfortunate incident won't interfere with future relations between our people. You sure you don't have an extra stratopod you could spare? I'm sure your Starfleet will develop one soon enough. Goodbye, Captain. I love that they leave on amicable terms. They're actually 
despite differences, despite this cultural um, misunderstanding, I suppose, um, they still remained friends. They move off, and that probably would have been the end of the episode in any typical sort of Star Trek, but then comes a far more downbeat ending. Now, hopefully, if I remember to do this in the editing process, I'm going to record uh, myself just reading out some phone numbers. Obviously, this now deals with the subject of suicide, and uh, if you are affected by this, if you ever think of making um, the decision to do that, don't do it, uh, and I will... Um, place any phone numbers for the UK region and the US region. You want to see me, Captain? I was just told that the Vissian progenitor died. What? How? It's a pretty extreme ending. Um, I'm wondering if they're falling into this whole idea that that someone who doesn't identify as male and female has to die. You know, is this a trope? Or is this more, again, the comment on slavery and someone who has been freed, as it were, um, just can't take it anymore. Um, It has been shown the light, has been shown a better life. At least not for a long while. It's time you learn to weigh the possible repercussions of your actions. You've always been impulsive. Maybe this will teach you a lesson. Let's try to throw you out the airlock. I'm sorry, that's that's our jingle, sorry. Dude. I'm not so sure you do. You knew you had no business interfering with those people. But you just couldn't let it alone. You thought you were doing the right thing. I might agree if this was Florida or Singapore... But it's not. There's a discussion of human rights as applying to aliens. I feel like this is the moment that trip changes for me. Right? I've I've been joking about it that my you know trip trids and things like this, but I feel like this is the biggest change. If I had, you would have thought a lot harder before doing what you did. You're not responsible. Archer didn't agree to asylum. Is he actually more culpable in this decision? But if Trip hadn't have broken the rules and gone behind the back, which he knew he was, he was skulking around, it wasn't by accident that this happened. He chose to do this. He flipped the first domino. And the episode ends. And so that's it. Um, yeah, it's difficult. And again, like I say, coming from my background, coming from who I am, I don't know whether I can adequately judge the identity politics element of it. I don't know whether I can uh, adequately give an opinion on a slavery element either. Um, again, that's not part of an upbringing that I have. It is part of human culture and history. It's something that you learn about. It's something you know about. 
but knowing the facts doesn't necessarily grant you an opinion, I guess. Um, it's a tough episode, and uh, I think it's a good classic Star Trek debate episode. It's one that you could take elements out of it and use it to bring up conversation, to stir up conversation, um, which is usually the sign of a very good Star Trek episode. The delivery of this episode, I think, is, for me, the biggest problem. Um, not in the direction, not in necessarily the pacing. I feel like they had a concept of something they wanted to do, but they were never too specific about the real message. It flip-flops between identity and it flip-flops between possession and ownership and property and slavery. Um it's too vague. I think I wanted something a bit more specific out of this episode, um, knowing what the, you know, the, 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 the blurb of the episode would be. So that is locating the point in time. We don't have a date, but we know we're still in 2153, somewhere between January and March. Um, yeah, so that's locating the episode. Now we move into sort of the ratings part. So if you are new to this uh, this podcast, you've got consequences. Your analogy is very colourful, Captain, but I question whether it addresses the consequences. 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 The concept of learning from one's mistakes shouldn't be difficult for a Vulcan of your wisdom to understand, Ambassador. I don't wish to contradict Captain Archer. But learning from one's mistakes is hardly exclusive to humans. Now, consequences. Again, we look at all these episodes not as just an episode, but as historical document. What is the impact that this episode could have in the future for Starfleet and for the Star Trek universe? Um, we've met a new species. We've not only met a new species, but we've potentially made an ally in a new species. Captain Drenick and Archer have, even in Drenick's own words, cemented a friendship that it could take other people years to create. And they leave on amicable terms. I could easily see a Visian and human, um, not necessarily alliance, but a cordial agreement between the two. They have a shared interest and a shared love of exploration. However, it is now tinged with the idea that some humans may judge um, the Visian culture uh, in such a way that uh, the congenitors would be uh, open up to more possibilities that perhaps the males and females of their species do not want because it would affect the reproductive cycle of the Visians. If all of the 3% of the cogenitors on their species uh, become aware, uh, could that spell a very difficult time for the reproduction? Could actually uh, it lead to the species not reproducing and not surviving? You know, we don't see the Visians again in the future. Who knows? That's a lot of conjecture there, but, you know, it, it, it could be possible um, if an entire uh, part of the species who are directly responsible for reproduction are now absent or do not wish to, if they actually change their minds and do not want to be part of uh, the reproductive cycle, um, what happens then? Uh, can the Visians continue after that point? Uh, 
other than that, consequence-wise, uh, we now learn about new kinds of shielding, with new kinds of warp technology. So in the technical aspects, Enterprise has now been open to a new set of technology, something they've never done before. However, that warp drive uh, emits Omicron radiation to the point where you need inoculation. Uh, it's something that we can inoculate against, so it can be protected. But is it an idea, a good idea, to have uh, a ship that... Uh, is basically potentially dangerous uh, when you're meeting all your new species and things. What if you come across a species who can't inoculate themselves? Uh, so consequence-wise, they've been opened to up to new ideas, let's just say that. And they've discovered up to 200 elements, according to um, uh, this episode as well. So technically, I think it has a huge consequence for uh, the Star Trek universe. However, knowing in the future that we will never see a Vizian again, um there's no obvious oh yeah you know in the 24th century because of cogenitor you could now say oh this that and that uh now happens um it's uh it's not a direct episode i can't see a massive coincidence but we have a new friend in the galaxy potentially after consequences comes the ae the ah uh, part of el cars and that is alterations and expansions uh, now, I like to think of myself as a writer. I've published some kids' books, and I am desperately trying to finish my actual uh, uh, grown-up book, I should say. Um, but uh, I, f I feel like I could offer some ideas on what could be changed about this episode. Now, in Horizon, again, Enterprise was called back in order to get Travis off to the horizon and we said in that episode if we'd had two more episodes of it perhaps a double two-parter um, it would have been interesting to you know give travis a bit more time to have a family drama have a family talk about everything that's gone through and the grief of losing his father um, travis had nothing to do in this episode it would be a natural fit for the two episodes to perhaps work in tandem um, we already said that again with uh, last week's episode as well um, with uh, the breach i could easily see all three running side by side perhaps make it a three-parter um have travis away for these two episodes um and then they come back on themselves uh, it would be believable in this age where things aren't as fast that travis would be gone for a significant period of time and that it would break up this idea then you could have a lot of conversations about family, about um, uh, what it means to be uh, a, a person on a ship and treated uh, with the respect for your abilities. Um, you know, it, 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 you've got Travis on a ship with his family. You know, is he only there because he's the son of the captain or is he there because he's actually good at what he does? Then parallel that with the cogenitor story they are on the ship they are there to serve a function are they only there to provide reproductive ability or could they become a productive member of Vizian society um, in the breach uh, we had uh, flocks talking about his son and um, holding um, opinions about the antarans that are outdated uh, and seeing uh, antarans for people and not for um, seeing themselves uh, as evil, you know, uh, ne'er-do-wells and demons. Um, uh, Flocks could have had an interesting input to the Vizians about seeing someone who has the mental capacity to be their equal as a person and seeing them in their own right uh, and identifying them perhaps in a way that would be more fitting. 
And given that you would have then three episodes over potentially a month's worth of time uh, between January and March. So you've got January, February and potentially all of March as well um, to really uh, bring about central discussions going on. So big discussions um, with the Visions coming in as well. You could have them studying the star during Horizon uh, and then this distress from this planet comes and they need to get people off the planet. The Visions could actually help. We could actually he- see the human Visian alliance being built and we have this ally coming through. Uh, admittedly, you then got to pay for Andreas Katsoulis to, uh, to come in and guest star. Uh, and at that time, he would have had quite a bit of clout being so famous from Babylon 5 in the sci-fi circles and so on. And of course, having previous Star Trek pedigree as well, as well as being, you know, the one-armed man uh, in The Fugitive. Um, so uh, whether you could afford to have uh, Andreas Kutsoulis for three episodes, who knows? But there were so many things that could be used in the previous two episodes, I could easily see these three being uh, a trilogy of sorts. So as an expansion, an alteration, I think that that could work. Uh, one thing I don't want is sexy cheese time. Uh, so I would absolutely completely alter that uh, that part of it and not have sexy cheese time. And that story doesn't go anywhere. I mean, they literally basically read just has sex or it's suggested he has a night with this lady. But it's never alluded to, doesn't go anywhere. Um, you know, so what? Uh, as character development, it gives him a, a thing to do. But is that really a justification? I think I would have been more interested in Hoshi, perhaps learning the Vizian language, learning to communicate um, and then have communication be an element of how Trip was trying to uh, teach the cogenitor to read. Um, you could see perhaps an interesting discussion about how Hoshi learns languages so fast. Uh, that's their innate ability. And uh, there's there's a lot of overlap there between Hoshi and the Vizian's ability to study very quickly. Um, that's a lot of story potential there. Uh, and I really wished we'd got more Hoshi in this episode than Reed, uh, funnily enough. Uh, so there you go. So uh, that would be my alterations, expansions. Expansions, I would have loved to have seen more of the Visians. I would have loved to have seen Captain Drenick come back. Given what I know of Season 3, and I know that in Temple Trek we are supposed to stay in chron- chronological order, but knowing that Season 3 is coming up, knowing that the Enterprise is going to be going up against some real big bads and uh, a war season, shall we say, um, having allies like this come back into the story, call back to the Visians. Um, and have them maybe then be a bit more hesitant with the humans that, you know, last time we lost a cogenitor because of you. Um, why should we help you? Um, and then Drenick is the one who vouches for Archer and says that they are still explorers. Yes, they get in the way. Uh, they are a bit too overeager, but, you know, we are essentially alike. And, um, you know, you could have had the Visians helping out the Enterprise uh, when it's in the expanse. Um, I really would have loved to have seen them come back. After alterations and expansions, we then go to uh, the pirate part of our uh, ratings criteria recommendations. The two R's. Arg, mimates. What did you think of the story? From my perspective. That's one way of looking at it. I'm going to recommend it. Arg, mimates. So with recommendations, two R's is the two strands of recommendations. Uh, First, we recommend to Star Trek fans. Is this a good example of a Star Trek episode? Is it your typical Star Trek episode? This is going to be one in the top tens or maybe, you know, at least uh, the best to watch. 
Cogenitor, I think, is in the better sphere of season two. I think uh, the the fact that you have the potential for a story uh, that has a morality play fits in with Star Trek 100%. Uh, so for that reason alone, I would say I would give a recommendation to Star Trek fans. Cogenitor is not one that we should feel ashamed of, even though there are elements of uh, not using correct pronouns that today are problematic. Um, I think because it has that that element of talking about slavery and property, I think it makes it somewhat timeless. The delivery of the episode, not so much, uh, but I would recommend to Star Trek fans as a good episode of Star Trek. The second R is for uh, non-Star Trek fans. Is it a good starter episode? Now, given that an, a starter episode, a good um, episode for a new fan coming in, that new fan is from today's society, um, where gender identity is now something we really do think about and genuinely uh, discuss. The fact that there is this misidentification, the fact that the episode goes very quickly. Um, you know, it's 27 minutes in before we actually finally get the cogenitor warming up to the idea of wanting to learn for themselves. And within ne- the next 10 to 15 minutes, they've already gone to the point of committing suicide. Um, it's a little too fast. It's a little too light on the detail. It needs more room to breathe. Um, you know, we're given 20 minutes in learning the Visians. And, and meeting the Visians and just having you know, techno chats and, and cheese, sexy cheese conversations. It's an awkward episode, I think, for a beginner. I think this is one you need to come into after having watched a bit more Enterprise. Not necessarily all of Star Trek, but just a bit more Enterprise, just to see where the characters lie. Um, uh, again, Travis and Hoshi had nothing to do this episode, despite the fact they probably would have had quite a lot to say, uh, given that the Stratopod, uh, you know, was uh, a, a, steering and and flight uh, ability into a sun i can imagine travis would have had thousands of things to say about that um steering inside solar flares would have been amazingly exciting for him hoshi as a study wanting to learn the visian culture i think would have made so much more sense as well i would have been so much more interested in learning her interactions with the visians as opposed to reed's so as a Star Trek fan, yes, but as a new Star Trek fan coming in, getting to know Star Trek, I think this is one to come a little bit later. Um, you need to have a bit more awareness of where the characters are coming from before you can appreciate the episode. And that's it. That is uh, our episode for Cogenitor. Um, next week, we are going to be uh, moving on and hopefully we'll have not only Dan back, but we will have some guests as well as we move on to season three, episode 49 of this podcast and season two, episode 23 of Enterprise as we go to Regeneration. The Borg are back. Yeah, um, it's a Borg episode. It's, ooh, is it a fan service episode? Is Dan going to like it? I don't know. Uh, we're going to have to find out. So this is S part of our criteria. We've just set up the episode for next week. And I also sell some other podcasts. Basically, I just tell you where to find me on other shows. So uh, find us on the um, Temple Trek Nexus Nights, which is the spin-off to this show, where we generally talk about Star Trek in no chronological order whatsoever. Uh, as I already mentioned, Epsilon 3 with Paul and Sean over the, on the ESO network where we are going through a Babylon 5 rewatch as well. 
and the Cosmic Pizza Podcast, which is our flagship show as well. And Paul and Sean and I talk everything geeky and general chit-chat and conversations uh, with actors, actresses, uh, rally car drivers and everyone else in between. Um, so uh, join us on that show for just general geeky chats. So as with every episode, I always end with a massive thank you. Thank you so much for listening, uh, even with me waffling on for well over an hour now, looking at this timer as I'm recording. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next time stream. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please remember to like, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to it. If you would like to be a guest in the future or give feedback, you can contact me by either searching for the Temple Trick Podcast Facebook page or find me on Twitter at rider underscore coattail. Also search the Temple Trek podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at Daniel underscore hitch underscore writer. Scripted elements of the show are a work of pure fan fiction, and any views and opinions expressed in the episode discussions are my own or that of the guest. They do not reflect the rights holders of Star Trek. Any Star Trek sound effects or music are used under the terms of fair use and are not my own work. The intro music, Birthright by Audio Binger, is royalty free from the Free Music Archive. Check out their work and others at freemusicarchive.com. The Temple Trek is a free podcast with no Patreon or sponsorship. However, if you would like to support the show, you can find my books by searching Daniel Peter Hitch on Amazon. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next time stream. <laughs>